0: in from the climate change and sustainability podcast this is suraj Bhati. i'm here with two fascinating gentlemen that i met during the course of uh, my travels and today's topic is biodiversity so uh, welcome guilherme and marcelo please tell us a little bit about yourself and how did you get interested in the topic of biodiversity
1: hi suraj thanks for having us um we got in we we got involved into this subject a couple of years ago um, my uh, my background is on tech. I've been over the last ten years. I've been involved into uh, what they call now Web three uh, and development of decentralized uh, software. And uh, so I got involved into this uh, in, uh, interchange of uh, what we call Web three and climate. So that's 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 my uh, short short background okay and uh so we, we got involved and we decided to make preservaland where we create private natural reserves that can be purchased all around the globe so that's that's what we did yeah. Perfect. Um, I, I have been in uh, in finance and real estate for a long time always with a with strong footing technology as well and uh, i've been friends with guilherme for more than 20 years and uh, I couldn't resist the invitation to join or become the CFO of the company and help save our planet.
0: <laughs> First question I had was, what is your impression about COP 15 biodiversity conference? What were the successes and shortcomings?
1: Um, again, uh, the the one takeaway is, is, you know, this goal of conserving 30 uh, percent of the biomes, you know, of the. Uh, protect that uh, on, on the, that that impacts direct the biodiversity and that's the biggest uh, outcome of the conference other countries, but Brazil uh, Brazil has you know the most of the uh, Amazon forest but just the Amazon forest is 10 times the size of France is half of US so people don't realize the dimension of it so when you Talking about protecting areas of that size, uh, a lot of things uh, come to play. So Brazil has the legal framework to protect, but again, enforce this legal framework. I think is is what we're looking uh, for in the next couple of years. How that's going to be implemented, and more important, once you protect some area, you have this conservation initial conservation project. You create a social problem program uh, problem. In that exactly area. So how those two work together? So it's a it's a sustainable conservation in the end of the day. So you you avoid other problems. So I think that's the that's the issues that I'm uh, trying to put there.
0: I see. Okay. 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 So Brazil, because of its large amount of biodiversity, is uh, well poised uh, mm-hmm. to both in terms of the challenge. You mentioned uh, some social challenges and then also opportunities because of the large amount of biodiversity. Uh, Can you elaborate on the challenges? What exactly do you mean by that? Uh,
1: The challenge is how you create an environment uh, to really uh, achieve your goals. And the goal here is conservation of biodiversity. So you have to create some kind of a model uh, so it becomes a business, so people can survive out of it, in the social part. And uh, we have to align, you know, business incentives with conservation incentives. The problem right now is it's misaligned, so it's each, either one or the other. And uh, Brazil has another big challenge, which is uh, a lot of the food that, you know, the world consumes comes from Brazil. So, how you expand the frontier, but still, you know, preserve the biodiversity. Oh. And uh, so, th- that understanding, I think, is very important. Otherwise, you got conflict interest. That, that shouldn't be, you know, the industry, uh, and shouldn't conflict that, that expansion with the conservation of biodiversity. So deforestation, a lot of the things have to come, but they have to align in terms of incentives. So there is an incentive for conservation.
0: I heard uh, from you last time that uh, there are already some really good laws, rules, and regulations existing in Brazil. So what is the problem? Why does the the Amazon, is it true that the Amazon turned carbon positive uh, recently? uh, Sorry. uh, Yeah, carbon positive rather than carbon negative. Is it true, and in spite of the, you know, very well thought out and structured laws, rules and regulations, why did
1: that happen? Again, it's part of the incentives because we are talking about like remote regions where it's hard to enforce uh, the law. We just had a a big incident that becomes, uh, uh, you know, everyone in the world saw the problem with the Indians, the, you know, in Brazil, that w- they were starving. And there was this conflict with mining, illegal mining, because those areas are so remote, it's very hard to enforce law there and the incentives for like illegal extraction. And and that surpass, uh, you know, the, the incentives for conservation. So that's why you have to create a market that uh, People are not willing to do illegal mining, for example. They can do some something else. And uh, normally, you know, you don't have people coming from other places to do that. It's the regional people, the, even Indians, they are involved in those activities because it's, it's, it's their survival. So the idea is you have to create ways of that not to happen. You know, it's not just go there and enforce. You have to create a situation where it doesn't happen. So that's the, the challenge. Uh-huh.
0: And how can global players think about carbon credits and other biodiversity-related opportunities as well as uh, risks in Brazil?
1: Uh, I I wouldn't just talk about Brazil. When we're talking about uh, biodiversity and nature based solutions uh, in terms of carbon credit, REDD+, and and these kinds of carbon credits, there is a risk in terms of the process of issuing those credits so we talk about high quality credits it's something that can be verifiable because one major risk uh, for this market is exactly uh the quality of those assets so if you don't have like a high something that is trustful those the companies will not get involved so there is there is a reputational risk of buying credits of specific projects out of Brazil, out of Africa, that had some some kind of issue that, you know, I wouldn't say is a fraud, but it, it does not match what's been sold. So that's the largest risk for this market. So again, creating, you know, using technology, we can avoid some of that by verifying, you know, uh, the quality of the project and all the evidence around the outcome of the project, and uh, so companies abroad uh, could participate on that. But it, it needs to take a, a step towards technology so it can be verifiable. So you don't run into those reputational risks. Ah, okay, got
0: it. And then finally, circling back to COP 15, you were saying that they are several years behind the carbon markets. Uh, what did you mm-hmm. mean by that?
1: It's just, you know, when you're talking about carbon, we're going to have uh, COP27. And in terms of biodiversity, we're still on COP15, right? So yeah. <laughs> COP16 will be the next one. Then. So uh, the discussion and, and the need because the outcome that we want is having a healthy environment on earth. So the outcome is preserving life, preserving biodiversity which include all of us. Human beings are part of the biodiversity. So in order to have that, it's important that you engage governments with policies, you engage companies and you engage society. But the problem is how to do that, you know, how you create mechanisms that achieve that. And uh, so I'm a a fan of creating markets. Uh, Markets tend to be more efficient. Than, you know just enforcing a policy which is going to be impossible to align all the governments ar- around one policy so you have pledges you have goals but you have to create something better than that so that's where you know we talk about uh, we, we hear about a, a lot of uh, around biodiversity credits but what that means you know so uh, we we have to simplify and we have to create uh, instruments that achieve the goals on both ends. So whoever is investing on that is achieving the outcome and, and the investment actually uh, keeps its value or is something that could be tradable, something that increases the velocity on the market. I think the problem right now is the velocity. The, 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 it, it, we still, uh, the projects and the outcomes, they are too slow. We have to improve that. Great, great. Thank you.
0: Yeah, we have just uh, under a minute left. So, any final closing thoughts before we sign off? Uh,
1: again, uh, I see that the convergence of technology and uh, and and will help that a lot. Uh, you know, we have all the tools uh, available. We're talking about, you know, satellite imaging. It's it's at a level that. You know, you could have a lot of those evidence. It improved a lot. Uh, also, also, the Web3 infrastructure, it transborder border transaction, which is something that is necessary because the biodiversity is not spread uh, uh, evenly on the, on the surface of Earth. So you have, you're going to have countries that will invest in other countries. So for that, I think the uh, blockchain Web3 infrastructure will enable that. So we have to put all of that together in order to achieve uh, something meaningful in terms of biodiversity market. Okay.
0: Uh, Guilherme and Marcelo, thank you so much for your uh, fascinating views. And uh, thanks everyone for uh, listening. This is Suraj Bhatia signing off. Uh, Thank you and Namaste.
1: Thank you.